Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, and whether you call Collective your church home or you are just checking us out, we hope you are encouraged and inspired to take the next step in your journey toward the grace and truth of Jesus. For more information about Collective, you can visit us online at mycollective.church or follow us on social media at mycollectivechurch. Now, let's get into today's message. My daughter, Harper, recently turned one. In fact, her birthday is Collective's actual birthday, which is September 17th. And so last year, we celebrated our first birthday as a church on September 16th, and my wife was 39 weeks and six days pregnant. And she was actually in the back running lights that day, so every time I saw someone get up and move, I just assumed her water broke. I was waiting for like them to be like, get off stage, wrap this up. But... She didn't go into labor that day. The next day, uh, she woke up, and we met for lunch, and we were at Chick-fil-A, and she said, I think I'm having contractions. And because it was our second kid, and we kind of knew what to expect, we spent a really long time discussing her giving birth at Chick-fil-A in hopes of getting free Chick-fil-A sandwiches. We, like, read it on the news with somebody, and we're like, well, maybe that could be us. We're here all the time. We didn't do that. We love Chick-fil-A, but not that much. Uh, And we ended up going to the hospital, and that night, Harper was born. Now, Harper is a fun kid. She is also super mischievous. And about a month ago, she learned how to climb up the stairs. And so her favorite thing to do, or what her favorite thing to do is, is to climb the stairs when we're not looking because she likes to see our reaction. And so what she'll do is she'll climb up to the first step and she'll just sit there and then she'll start laughing. And immediately we turn to look and she looks at us and she'll go, hi, and then go to the next step. And so she tries to make up the next step. We run over, grab her, she laughs, we take her back down. And so last week, she was climbing up the steps, and I was following behind her when she decided to try and sit down. But instead of turning herself around, like putting her back against the steps, she just decided, I'm just going to plop my butt right here. And of course, she began to fall, and so I caught her, and there was this look of fear on her face, and she began to cry. So I picked her up, and I walked her back to the living room, and I placed her on our rug to play with some toys. Not even one minute later, she was crawling back to the step. I followed her. She tried to sit down again. She began to fall and cry. I put her in the living room. And guess what? She started to crawl toward the step again. But this time, instead of letting her crawl and letting her fall down the steps, I just put up the gate. And she screamed. And she cried. She had that look of betrayal on her face. When it's a baby, it just hurts so much. But I had to do it because I just didn't want her to get hurt. I was busy doing other things, and I couldn't keep catching her when she fell down the steps. And the thing is, like, I'm okay with her climbing up the steps when I'm there to follow her. But when I was trying to get stuff done in the house, I needed to put it at the gate. I needed to protect her. Right? Because it's not just about catching her when she falls, but figuring out ways to help her not fall in the first place. Last week, we started our core values series called We Are Collective by talking about our first value. The thing that drives everything we do, which is grace. And the way we say it is endless second chances. And the reason we love Jesus and the reason we love this church is because of endless second chances. In fact, one time Jesus said it like this in John 8. So if the son, which is Jesus, if the son sets you free, you are truly free. And that's what we talked about last week. We want to experience freedom. We do stupid stuff, selfish stuff, stuff the Bible calls sin that separates us from God. But the good news is that Jesus died on the cross to pay the debt that our sin creates. So we come to Jesus. We put our faith in him. He takes our sin. We get his perfection. We are made new. And we get to have the relationship with God that we are designed to have. And that's all because of Jesus. 
This is why last week we set the goal as a church by our third birthday next year, we hope to see our 100th person baptized in this church. Because our goal is that we want people to realize that I need grace, I want endless second chances, Jesus offers it, there are no strings attached, I'm in. And you're gonna hear a lot over the next year when we talk about this idea of baptism, putting your faith in Jesus, saying I'm all in, one of the things that we're gonna say is check the box on your connection card so we can have a conversation. Because the number one thing that this, this church is built on is grace. But here's the thing. It's not just about endless second chances, right? That can't be all there is, or at least if God loves us, that can't be all there is. Think of it this way. Let's say you have a little kid, you have a toddler, and if that toddler runs out of your house and into the street, and at the same time a car is driving toward you, what will you do? The answer is whatever it takes. You will run out into the road and you will push the kid out of the way. You will run out and you will try to stop the car. You will let the car hit you if that's what it takes. Right? You will do whatever you can to prevent that toddler from being hit by a car. And the truth is you would do that as often as you needed to if you love your kid. But if you really love your kid, if they keep running into the street, you're going to teach them some guidelines. Right? You'll put up a boundary to stop them from going into the street. You'll save them as often as it takes but you'll also try to do something to prevent them from needing to be saved, right? You put an extra lock on the door. You put a fence in your yard. You will do whatever it takes because you love your kid. So if God loves us, he's not just going to save us from the oncoming car. He's not just going to give you grace for when you screw up your lives. He's going to teach us how to stop screwing up our lives. So it's great that Jesus says, if the son sets you free, then you are truly free, but we need more, right? And we will always need grace. We're always gonna fall short, and the good news is it's endless second chances for a reason. We're gonna try our best, we're gonna fall short, and he offers us another opportunity. But if God really loves me, he will help me walk in a way where I don't run out in front of cars as often. Going back to Harper, I will always do my best to catch her when she falls down the stairs, but the best thing that I can do for her right now as a parent is put up a gate to stop her from falling in the first place. And so that's what we're gonna be talking about today. See, the same section of John where Jesus says, if the Son sets you free, you are free, he also says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So that's what we're gonna be talking about today. It's our second value as a church, and the way we say it is rooted in truth. And I love that word rooted because something rooted is strong. Right? Have you ever seen a tree that's fallen over after a big storm? Maybe you saw it on social media. Maybe it was your own yard. To be honest, it was probably this summer when Frederick got crushed by rain. But a big storm comes through and a giant tree gets blown down because it doesn't have deep roots. At the same time, you'll see another tree in your yard. You'll see another tree on your street, and it won't get blown down. And the reason is because it's rooted, because it could withstand the storm. And that's the picture of what we want to be. Life has storms and we want to be able to weather them, right? We want to be rooted. And Jesus promised this. He said, in this world, there will be trouble. But he also tells us how to make sure that we don't blow over in that storm, right? The thing that keeps us rooted and able to withstand whatever storm we are facing now or in the future is truth. The question is, what is truth, right? Because I think we'd all agree that it's hard to know what truth is anymore. You know, it's where do you get it from? Who decides what truth is? Right now, truth seems subjective and based on someone's feelings more than anything else. Charles Spurgeon once said, the best interpreter of the Bible is the Bible. So the question is, how does the Bible define truth? 
So later in the book of John, Jesus is praying to God, and he says this in John 17. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. So here's what we mean when we say we're rooted in truth. It means that God's words are our roots. And that phrase, God's word, or is just another way of saying the Bible or scripture. They're all synonyms, depending on if you grew up in church or what church you've gone to in the past. They'll use like different versions of that. They all mean the same thing. But here's what that value means practically. The best way for you to grow in freedom is to daily be rooted in scripture. And my goal today is to help you do that. So here's some of the context for what Jesus says in John 8. In John 8, verse 31, he says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So Jesus' goal is that you experience freedom. So what I want to do is I want to break this verse down. I want to talk through some of the key phrases, some of the key words that Jesus is saying. And we're going to start at the beginning when Jesus said, to the people who believed in him. And this is really important. This is kind of the most important part of it is why do we believe in him? If you continue to read on in John 8, as soon as Jesus teaches this, people start arguing with him. It's pretty normal. Jesus says something. They don't like it. They start yelling back. And there's this kind of back and forth between them. But the thing is, we do the exact same thing. Right? Jesus will tell us the truth and we'll say, Jesus, I love you, but... Right? Jesus, I love you, but you weren't around in the 21st century. Jesus, I love you, but you really never talked about that exact thing. Jesus, I love you, but you weren't really clear. Jesus, I love you, but I don't like the way that makes me feel. Jesus, I love you, but it's hard to be disciplined, so I'm just going to do this thing over here. I'll let you forgive me later. And we have a tendency to hear last week's message of endless second chances, and we think, I'm in. Right, this is what I want. Give me some Jesus. But then Jesus comes along and he says, okay, there's also some stuff you need to change. Right? There's, a, there's this thing in your life that you need to get rid of. There's this thought that you need to shift. And we go, Jesus, maybe just stick with grace. But the question is, why should we listen to him? Right? Are we supposed to read the Bible because it's an old book? Are we supposed to read the Bible because our grandma likes it? Are we supposed to read the Bible because someone on stage told you to? No. The reason we listen to and believe in Jesus is because of the resurrection, because he rose from the grave. See, if Jesus was just some guy who said, my teachings will set you free, and that was it, right? Just some dude on the corner just shouted that out. I would tell you, probably don't follow that person, right? I wouldn't say maybe you should listen to them and change your whole life and follow that person if that's all he ever did. But that's not all Jesus ever did, and it's not all he ever said, right? He taught that the authorities were going to arrest him. He told people that once he's arrested, that he'll be executed. He taught that on the third day that he's going to walk out of the tomb alive, and that's why we trust Jesus, because he did it. That's why when he says, God's word will set you free, we believe it. That's why we take the step to get baptized. That's why we have church. That's why we read the Bible. We believe him because he rose from the dead. And then Jesus says, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Now, we're a disciple. You hear it a lot in church. It just means apprentice. An apprentice is someone who is learning the proper way to do things. So here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey, if your life is working, you do you. But if life is not working, if you're feeling that pain, if you're feeling that discomfort, if you're feeling that brokenness, he's saying, follow me. Trust me. Imitate me. Do what I do. Be my disciple. And Jesus teaches that this is for you. 
right? He says, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And this is really important. This whole idea is, this is for you. Last fall, I was listening to a pastor named Jim Bergen talk about this idea of being rooted in truth. And he was sharing about how the Bible brings freedom and hope and can teach us the best way to live. But then he said this, don't beat people over the head with it. Because too often people have said we're standing on God's word and they take God's word and they smack people with it. And a lot of you know exactly how that feels. Right? A lot of you showed up today and you're, you're nervous because you're wondering if that's going to happen. A lot of you have felt that before, whether it's through family or through church or even just social media. But the most important thing that Jesus says is this is about you. Right? He says, if you remain faithful... Because here's, not, here's what Jesus is not saying. He's not saying that it's your job to make other people faithful. Right? He's not saying that this is for your spouse. He's not saying that this is for your grown child. What he's saying is this is for you. So as we talk about being rooted in truth, this isn't about anyone else. It's about you seeking Jesus. He says, if you know the truth, it will set you free. Right? He's not saying if you think you know the truth or wish you know the truth or have a pastor who knows the truth. I can't set you free. He says, if you know the truth, it will set you free. It's about you. In fact, when God first gives his people the law in the Old Testament, here's what he says in Deuteronomy 6. He says, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. Translation, read it. Memorize it. Quote it. Talk about it all the time. Immerse yourself in it because you have to know in order to set you free. Like you have to read it for yourself. I can't do that. You coming here every single Sunday, you can sit in the same seat every single week. You can take really good notes. I can't set you free. My goal is to point you toward it, but it's all about you. And that's what we want. We want freedom. You know, we aren't rooted in truth just because. This isn't even about knowledge. It's a means to an end. We want to be rooted in truth because we want to experience freedom, which is what Jesus promises. And so that's the passage. And I was working on the sermon this week. I got to that point. I thought, well, we could just finish, right? But one of the things I try to do every single week is as you guys write down prayer requests, is I try to spend time reading what they are, praying for you, praying about those things with you. And as I was working on my sermon, I began to read what you guys have been writing over the last few weeks. You know, every week we ask you to fill out a connection card, and the primary reason we do that is because we want to pray for you. This is probably the best way that we can care for people at Collective, by creating a way for leaders to be caring and praying for you. And every single week, every single one of our leaders gets that list, and they look over it, and they pray over that, no matter what is going on in your life. And as I've been flipping through them over the past few weeks, here's what I've been seeing over and over and over again. Pray for my marriage. Pray for my family. My depression. My pain. My anger. My addiction. My shame. And it just goes on and on and on. See, in one way or another, so many of us are asking for Jesus to set us free. And so I just want to give you a few examples of what that might look like. A lot of people, the number one thing that we get is pray for the problems in my marriage. 
And I get that a real marriage problem isn't my wife and I bickered this morning because we were five minutes late, right? A real marriage problem is I know divorce will destroy my kids for the rest of their life. They'll probably have to go through therapy and they may never recover from it. It will put me in financial problems for the rest of my life. I may never get out of this hole, but it still seems a lot better than what I'm dealing with right now. But if you're in God's word every single day, here's something you'll read. Romans 12, outdo one another in showing honor. Luke 6, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. And if you're in a bad marriage, that's describing your spouse. But if you're in God's word daily, trusting Jesus to set you free, it means you're going to start treating your spouse with honor, not in reaction to what they did or what they deserve, but because of the person you are and because of your own character. It means you're going to be praying for them. You're going to do small acts of kindness every single day. You're going to speak in a way that lifts them up, regardless of what she said or what promise he broke. Right? And if they're mean to you, you won't retaliate. And, and the truth is, I'm not going to say just doing this will fix your marriage, but it might. And let's be honest, it's a whole lot better than anything else that you're trying right now. It's probably better than the book you're reading, the content that you're putting into yourself off social media, the friends that you're talking to that aren't actually rooted in Jesus. Let's talk about loneliness. And again, I don't think that means I broke up with my boyfriend on Friday and I have nothing to do on Saturday. Here's what that means. You feel lonely wherever you go. You try to put yourself out there, but it isn't working. Or you find yourself in a new state or at a new job or your best friend moved away. And you have hobbies and you have faith and you have TV shows that you love. But what you really want to do is share those hobbies with somebody. Right? You want to watch those TV shows with somebody. You want to go out to eat after church with someone who genuinely is excited to see you. And if you don't have that, if you dwell on it long enough, it can lead to some really dark places. But if you're in God's word every day, here's what you'll read. Psalm 68, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. God sets the lonely in families. Right? And that word families actually means home. It's saying God will give those who are lonely a home. Right? When it says, and this is God whose dwelling is holy, he's talking about the church. Hebrews 13 says, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So if you're in God's word daily, trusting Jesus set you free, then when you get into that really dark place, you don't throw in the towel or do something drastic because you have the promise of community. He promises it. And you don't know if it'll take one week or three years, but you have the faith that God won't leave you alone, and eventually you will find a group of people that you can call home, you can call family. And as you work through that loneliness, you know that you're never truly alone because Jesus never left. He's always with you. What about relationships? We're about to hit the season, Katie talked about fall, uh, where you're beginning to make plans for holidays. And even thinking about your family right now makes you anxious, right? Because the truth is, holidays are reminders of all the things that are wrong with our family. It's gotten to the point where people don't even want to be around each other. And when they're there, it's a facade or you're walking on eggshells just waiting for somebody to snap. So maybe you skip it. Maybe you just join in with everybody else and you're fake. But if you're in God's word every day, here's something you'll read in Matthew 5. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And so if you're in God's word daily, trusting Jesus to set you free, you'll realize that it doesn't say peacekeepers where you're passive. It says peacemakers. Meaning when you see your family and you walk in with the attitude of, I don't care how manipulative or sarcastic or flat-out rude everyone else is going to be, I came to bring peace. 
right, and you work for that, you will be a peacemaker in Jesus' name. And when you do this, you will experience life change. Right? And I'm speaking from my own experience, from what I've seen in my life and the lives of many people who daily choose to root themselves in Scripture. But there's also data that proves it. Lifeway Research did multiple studies about reading your Bible daily, and here's what they found. I would encourage you, get out your phones and take pictures of this. It's, it's that good. So this is true. Reading the Bible four plus times per week decreases your odds of giving in to these temptations. Drinking to excess, down 62%. Viewing pornography, down 59%. Having sex outside of marriage, down 59%. Lashing out in anger, down 31%. Gossiping, down 28%. Neglect, neglecting family, down 26%. Overeating, down 20%. Mishandling money, down 20%. Some of you are so focused on a pornography addiction, this week maybe focus on the roots. Focus on the things that are in your life and what's pouring into your life and see if that makes a difference. It continues, though. Reading the Bible four plus times per week decreases your odds of struggling with these issues. Feeling bitter, down 40%. Self-destructive thinking, down 32%. Feeling the need to hide what you do or how you feel, down 32%. Having difficulty forgiving others, down 31%. Feeling discouraged, down 31%. Experiencing loneliness, down 30%. Experiencing fear or anxiety, down 14%. Like, even if you don't believe in Jesus, if you're reading that and you're going, I'm lonely, I'm discouraged, try reading your Bible more. It will not solve all of your problems, but it will point you in the right direction. But we can continue. Reading the Bible four times or more a week gives you significantly higher odds of giving financially to a church, up 416%. Here's what that teaches. The Bible wants you to be generous giving people. People who care about other people, people who use their money in the right way, up 400%. Discipling others, up 231%. Sharing your faith with others, up 228%. And reading the Bible four or more times per week gives you significantly lower odds of feeling spiritually stagnant, down 60%, and feeling like you can't please God, down 44%. Now, some of you are here and you feel like your faith is stagnant. And very simply, the answer is to read your Bible. Spend time every single day reflecting on Scripture. That's it. Right, and we can go on and on. We could talk about sobriety. We could talk about sex. We could talk about anxiety. We could talk about money. And reading scripture is not a quick fix to those things. But scripture will always lead you in the right direction. Scripture will always help you make the right decision. Scripture will always help you start climbing out of that hole or climbing out of that feeling that you have. So what you're doing is you're putting down roots so over time. If you immerse yourself in God's word, it will set you free. So listen, have people used God's word as a weapon? Yes. Do some people twist what it says? Absolutely. But does Jesus promise that his word is truth and his truth will set you free? Yes. And when you do this, when you invest in this, you'll grow. Because roots aren't just about strength. The primary function of roots is to absorb water and nutrients. It helps the tree grow. This is what happens when we're rooted in truth. We're able to withstand the storm and we grow. We grow spiritually. We grow as spouses. We grow as just generous and kind people. It's about strength and growth. 
So here's the application for this week, and you can probably guess it. Read your Bible every day. Now, you can go old school and use a paper Bible. You can actually download the Bible on Audible and listen to it, right? That counts, okay? For those of you who are like, I don't like reading words on pages, let someone else read it to you. I do that with books all the time. But my biggest suggestion is this. If you have a smartphone, you can download the Bible app uh, called YouVersion. It's on both Droid and Apple, and it has Bible reading plans that can actually tell you what to read. And so there are different plans that are focused on friendship, on parenting, on feeling more joy in your life. There's a ton of them. Now, if you're one of those people, you're like, I'm going to start reading, and I'm going to get to day two, and I'm not going to do it. I need someone else in my life to help me with that. That app allows you to connect with other people. You can share plans, and you can make notes, and you can share them back and forth. In fact, we have friends who read Bible plans uh, on the app with their spouse. They have different quiet times every single day, and so what one of them will do is they'll highlight, they'll make comments. Their spouse will later read it when they have their break at lunch. Then the other one will read it later when they have their break at coffee. It holds them accountable, but also is a way that they can read it together in a busy schedule. But the goal is this. Daily. Just make progress. One hour a day? Awesome. 30 minutes a day? Awesome. Five minutes a day? Awesome. Whatever you can do, the goal is to set aside time each day to read your Bible. Now, the best place to start, if you're, if you're going to jump right in, is read some of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because the truth is, if you want to know what Jesus is all about, read the people who wrote about it, the people that were with him, the people that actually saw him get executed and resurrected from the dead and still wrote what they wrote and gave up their lives so other people could read it. It's the best place to start. And listen, I'm under no illusion that reading your Bible every day will magically transform your life, but it'll start to because you're setting down roots. And I know some of you are thinking, I don't follow Jesus, so this isn't for me. And I would actually push back and say, this is probably more for you than anybody else. Those of you who don't follow Jesus should be reading your Bible just to make sure. Right? And if someone asks you, why are you reading your Bible, just tell them, I'm looking for loopholes. But think about this. You would never buy a car without bringing it out for a test drive. Why would you reject Jesus without trying to figure out who he truly is? And so read the Bible every single day for a week or a month or a whole year. And the worst you can say at the end of it is, I tried. Now, I don't think it will let you down. Uh, I think you'll see growth in your life in many different ways, but at least you gave it a shot. A few years ago, I got a text late one night from a married couple at the church I was working in asking if we could meet up the next day. And this is never a good sign. When a married couple asks to sit down with me immediately, it's usually bad news. So the next day we sat down, the husband began to share about his struggles with pornography and how this sin started to escalate into conversations with other women. There were tears. There was anger. He was feeling shameful. She was feeling betrayed. But then the wife said something I'll never forget. She said this, Don't get me wrong, I was pissed. But scripture says that I should forgive him. I don't want to, but Jesus says I have to. So I told my husband that I'm going to forgive him. And let me be clear. She wasn't saying that she was going to pretend like everything was okay. It wasn't. She was mad. And she wasn't saying that what he did in secret was okay. It's not. She was just saying, I want to handle it my own way. But the Bible, but Jesus teaches I should handle it this other way. 
And then she said, since I follow Jesus, I have to do this. And do you know what they have today? A good marriage. She doesn't hold on to the past. He walks in grace with no secrets. And do you know what that is called when no one has secrets and no one holds grudges? Freedom. Do you know where that freedom came from? Scripture. I said at the beginning that the best way for you to grow in freedom is to daily be rooted in Scripture. Would that couple be married today if they weren't rooted in truth? I hope. But maybe if they didn't have that, if Jesus wasn't the main person speaking into the life, there would be a grudge. That would lead to alienation. That would lead to more secrets. That would lead to who knows what. See, the point of today is Jesus wants you to be free. And I don't want your prayer request that you wrote down today to be your burden forever. Right? And I don't know what you wrote down today. I don't know what you're too afraid to write down. Right? Because there's something. But there's a better option than to think, just keep breathing. It'll eventually turn out okay. Jesus wants you to be free. He says the truth will set you free, and he says that my word is the truth. So wherever you are, whether you're a hardcore atheist or a hardcore follower of Jesus, and whatever you're dealing with, whatever your life, whether your life is going great or you're just trying to wake up every single day and get through another one, Jesus is trying to set you free through his word. So this week, this month, this year, will you put Jesus to the test? Five minutes. 15 minutes, 30 minutes a day, whatever it takes for you to develop a stronger system of roots so you don't topple over in the storm. So as a church, this is our value. This is number two. Everything we do is based on scripture. And everything we do is reading that scripture that leads us to freedom. Let's pray. God, thank you um, that we don't have to figure this out on our own. I think the hardest thing about life is we go through pain, we're dealing with these problems, we're dealing with these stresses, and when we try to have the wisdom or we try to have the knowledge to work through it, we fall short again. And God, we're just so thankful that you gave us something that could teach us how to live, teach us how to experience freedom. So God, uh, this week, I, I just pray that every single one of us gives it a shot. God, that we take a step forward when it comes to being rooted in your word. And God, I know, like we set the goal of seven days a week, and I know a lot of us are going to struggle with that. That's why we need grace. But God, I pray that as we work through it this week and we do fall or we do miss a day or we do skip some time, God, that doesn't send us into a spiral. In fact, we wake up the next day and go, okay, I got us another second chance. God, thank you that you offer us freedom. God, thank you that you don't just say there's freedom, but you teach us what that looks like. And God, I just pray that every single person in this church can experience a little bit of that this week. God, freedom in their marriage, freedom in their relationships, freedom in their career, freedom in their parenting. But more importantly, freedom from the, the things that weigh us down, the brokenness that we have, and the sin that separates us from you. God, we thank you. We love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.